It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Good evening and welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and that's 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And today is Sunday, March the 31st. I can't believe how quickly the year is already going. Um, it's already the end of March. Tomorrow's April Fool's Day. Be careful out there tomorrow. Uh, And, you know, spring has sprung in Austin, but the way it is here in Texas, I've discovered is that one day it can be close to 80 and the next day it can be in the 50s. So today we're having a cool day, Um, but it's still bright and sunny. And I think it's going to warm up as the week goes by. And I hope that you're enjoying the spring weather wherever you are. And we have a beautiful show for you as well. We are back live in Austin. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here to make the show run. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined from Massachusetts by psychologist, founder of Top College Consultants, and specialist in the area of autism, Dr. Eric Enlick, to discuss helping teens with autism transition to college, as well as what burgers looks like in adults over 50. And um, that should be interesting because we don't hear too much about that. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say about that. And then later in the program, we'll be playing my interview with the metal band Liliac, who has been on CBS's World's Best. And um, they're located in Los Angeles, and they're a five-piece all-family band, totally vegan. So they're going to talk about their music and their vegan lifestyle, and we're going to play some of their original music. And also along the way, I'll continue my discussion about the four pillars of living a passionate life with a special focus on compassion and also some of the bricks of self-care in order to keep those pillars standing. And throughout this evening's program, we'll have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guest. And my email address is drmara, that's dr. M-A-R-A at drmaracarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And after the program, you can hear this evening's show again by going to my website and the link to the podcast, along with all of the web by my guests on the program, will be posted later tonight. 
And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to Blog Talk Radio. That's B-L-O-G talkradio.com slash your golden years. And for information about previous programs, to listen to previous programs, read about the guests, read by blogs that have been in Huffington Post and Thrive Global and Savannah East, to watch videos of interviews that I've done with guests who are here live in Austin, to learn about my books, to learn about my upcoming course, all of this can be found in one-stop shop, drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can also hear all of the previous podcasts that we have done with Blog Talk Radio over, over the past five-plus years by going directly to blogtalkradio.com slash years. And if you want to stay uh, up to date on what's coming next for future programs and um, book signings and uh, my interviews on other radio shows, my, my blogs, whenever they post, I would advise that you follow me on Facebook. And that's Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. So that to find out all of the upcoming news. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City practicing here in Austin, Texas, and also in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and with caregivers. And for the past few years, have also been evaluating veterans for PTSD and other service-connected conditions. And part of the time, my office is in the wonderful Veterans Resource Center, which is located in Cedar Park, Texas, Heroes Night Out. And if you're interested in finding out more about this great resource for veterans and for veterans' families, check out their website, heroesnightout.org. Do you want to contact me? Do you have a question that you want to ask me or some information that you want me to know about? You can feel free to give me a call at 512-626-6973, or you can send me an email to drmara at drmaracarpel.com, or you can go through my website, drmaracarpel.com, and just click on Contact. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment Postal Productions and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by Dr. Ronald DeVere neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. DeVere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512-7909 or send him an email to rdevere, that's r-d-e-v-e-r-e at austin.ra.com. And his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by StoryHouse. StoryHouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have StoryHouse over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. 
Story House, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to play a few of our sponsors' commercials, but don't go anywhere because we're going to be back very soon, and we will be joined from Massachusetts by psychologists founder of Top College Consultants and Specialist in the Area of Autism, Dr. Eric Enlick. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. About memory loss, Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years, specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia. Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Merrick Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone from Massachusetts, we have psychologist, founder of Top College Consultants, and specialist. Good evening, doctor. Good evening. Uh, Good evening. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Um, okay, this is a great. reminder. There's a there's a slight delay when we speak like this. Maybe a couple of seconds. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks. So. Nice to be with you. So how is? It's great to to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Um, how are things up in Massachusetts? Uh, good. The snow's finally thawed, and it looks like spring's on its way. So it's, it's a nice time of year to be here. Yeah, spring is the best up in the Northeast. <laughs> so, so maybe maybe before we jump into our discussion, you can tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, so I'm a psychologist by training. I'm also a writer and uh, have been <clears throat> publishing articles on health and wellness for years. And I'm also an autism dad. Um, and a few years ago, um, I 
realize that I'm on the spectrum myself as well, and that uh, sort of plunged me even more into the autism world. And now I specialize in helping teens on the spectrum as well as neurotypical teens transition to college. Uh, I've been working with teens for a number of years, and I really uh, enjoy um, helping them move on from high school and create successful uh, pathways to adulthood. And I also did, uh, was involved in a study on older adults on the spectrum, and my colleagues and I co-wrote a book on the subject based on a study of 150 adults around the world over 50. Hmm. Okay. So I, I would like to speak about both of those issues. Maybe we can start with the teens. Um, so what are some of the special needs that teenagers with who are on the autism spectrum would have um, getting into college and transitioning into the college life? Well, it can really vary. Um, you know, one doesn't want to generalize too much about a, a large group of people. Uh, sometimes there's academic inconsistency where someone will do well for a period of time and then run into some issue like anxiety or depression and struggle for a while or have a so-called executive function difficulty with organization and time management and structuring assignments. So that comes out uh, especially in uh, unstructured assignments like having to write a big paper um, versus doing something like a, a math problem set, which is much more structured. So sometimes there'll be um, particular academic challenges, but in other cases, a student will be very strong academically and clearly college capable based on the level of academic work they're doing in high school, but not necessarily college ready. So those are two different things. In other words, being able to handle the academics in college, of course, is key, but there are many other aspects to being able to successfully transition to college in, in addition to the academics, such as being able to mm -hmm. get along with a roommate, um, being able to advocate for yourself with professors, being able to manage your time. Um, there's a lot more uh, downtime in college. There's a lot less structured time. So. As a college student, you have to be able to plan your assignments, and you may not, if you've moved away and you're not living at home when you're in college, then you don't have your parents uh, or other professionals necessarily looking over your shoulder, reminding you what you need to do, and so on. So it's a, right. There's a lot of it, there's a lot of independent living skills, time management skills that that are mm -hmm. key, and um, this could be an issue for for any student, but. Um, it comes up a lot with the students on the spectrum. And sometimes right. because of their challenges, their parents have been extremely involved, and that can lead to a situation where uh, students are not as independent as they might otherwise be, and the parents are anxious as well as the students about letting them go off to college, especially if it's a distance away. Right. I would imagine the, the social environment, if they're going away to college as well, is a, is a challenge. Yeah. In many cases, they've been uh, in school with the same set of kids for quite a few years, 
to since early childhood, uh, or at least since middle school, typically, and now they're moving on to a completely new set of of students. And there may be cultural differences. It may be a more diverse population. It might be a different part of the country. Um, so they, it can be a big social adjustment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So and again, so that, that can be a challenge for any student. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so for listeners who, you know, don't know what this means, what does it, you know, what it means to have to be a teenager um, on the autism spectrum, I think people who really aren't in contact, I guess, with students or teenagers who are on the autism spectrum may have, you know, an idea of what that means that's not really um, that's not really um, correct. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what that really means. I mean, for some people, it might be surprising that a student who has autism would be going to college. Yeah. Well, if you've been if you've gone to a big high school, uh, you've undoubtedly been around some students on spectrum, male and female, without necessarily knowing it, and not everybody has been diagnosed. So, uh, but since it's one to two percent of the population, there's a good chance that, that you've had some exposure to it. I think there's a stereotype based on how the field got started back in the 1940s of uh, students or, or teens being less capable, but they can be extremely bright and capable, but uh, they might have difficulty reading social cues, they might have a tendency to be extremely focused on one area of interest that they like to talk about, read about, study about. Um, and so those might be some of the challenges. There might be sensory sensitivities to sound, light, smell, touch, pressure, a uh, number of different uh, issues that, that could come up. But, Everyone is different. There's a saying attributed to Stephen Shore, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. So right. it's important not, not to overgeneralize, but uh, those are some of the, the common things that, that one might run into. And this can create challenges in socializing and conversations if someone doesn't necessarily relate to the topics that neurotypical teens like to talk about. Uh, sports, fashion, what have you, that may not be something that they're interested in, but if you get them on the subject of the, what they are particularly interested, they may be able to talk in great detail. Mm -hmm. I happen to be very mm -hmm. interested in the subject of colleges. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yes, you know, I I was educated myself by a client who I had who, who diagnosed himself with having Asperger's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he had me read about it, and I learned I learned more probably more from him than he did from me. We both mm -hmm. supported him, but um, mm -hmm. you know it was really quite an education. And and this young it was a young, you know, college age client, and extremely mm -hmm. extremely bright, extremely bright. Um, yeah, well, it's good to be humble. I'm always learning from students and clients too. Just we all we all have more to learn. Yes, yes. Um, so, 
So what would you recommend for parents, if there are any parents listening to this program who have um, a child who they would love to see go to college, but they that child has been diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum? Well, I guess I wouldn't wouldn't uh, panic or assume that that every teen on the spectrum is going to run into difficulties. But uh, we are living in a time when there are there's more awareness, more resources, more services than ever before. There are many colleges that have supportive environments and programs. I've created a list on my website, topcolleges.com, of autism-friendly colleges. And I've put well over 100 colleges there. Some of these programs, um, support programs, charge an extra fee. Some of them do not. Uh, there are colleges with social clubs, there are colleges with mentoring, coaching, and a variety of services. But to get back to your question of what parents need to be thinking about, need to look at you know what uh, what is my student's college readiness. And this is true again for students who are not on the spectrum as well. Uh, plenty of teens run into challenges when they move away to college, social, emotional, um, sometimes organizational. And mm-hmm. you know, look at look at what the what the child has been able to do up to now. Have they lived away from home before? Um, how much? How independent are they? Are they able to get themselves up in the morning independently? Are they able to keep track of their assignments independently? Turn them in on time? Are they able to do their own laundry? Um, can they, if they're running into a challenge in class, will they go and talk to the teacher in high school and sort things out, or are they relying on a parent or professional to intervene? Because in college, a lot of the supports drop away, and students have to do so many of these things on their own. And if the student has challenges in some of these areas, that's not to say that they can't go to college. Because as I said, there's a lot of support programs out there. There are college readiness programs, summer programs, gap year programs, where students can shore up some of these areas that they may not be as strong in. And so part of what I do when I meet with teens and their families is to figure out what the needs are, what their level of college readiness is, and what additional resources, services, programs, pre-college programs they might need to get up to speed. Um, to ensure that when they go off to college, they are going to be successful, stay in, and graduate. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And <clears throat> and you and you coach families. Is is that what you do? You kind of coach them and what they guide them about what they need to prepare yeah, for and how to pro- prepare for it. Yeah, there's an assessment mm-hmm. process where I'm meet, meeting with the student and looking over their their transcripts, test scores, documentation, there might be an IEP, an uh, education plan, there might be neuropsychological testing, and kind of pull it, pull all the information together, maybe talk to the high school counselor, or if there's a therapist involved, and get a, get a really good picture of the student, where they're at, what their needs are, make recommendations for additional programs they might benefit from, as I said, like a pre-college summer program, gap year program, and also what colleges are going to be a good fit where they're likely to thrive. This is a complicated area for students in general to navigate navigate because there's thousands of colleges out there and everyone tends to talk about the same ones over and over again that are supposedly 
know, better colleges, but the issue is really what, what is the best college for this particular student? Where are they going to thrive based on their personality, their strengths, their needs? And so I'm helping figure that out and get them through that transition. Okay. And is, do you mainly help people in your area in Massachusetts? No, I work with students worldwide, uh, although I do have a number of folks in Massachusetts. Uh, I have students in other parts of the country and starting to take on students in other countries as well. So um, wow, with, modern tech, with modern technology, video, chat, um, and other ways to connect, um, it's pretty easy to um, work with students anywhere. And lots of different professionals do this, uh, such as tutors and and academic coaches, they'll work with students um, regardless of the location. And I find these, these uh -huh. days teens, you know, they're very, they're very tech savvy. They're very comfortable doing things by a combination of email or um, phone calls, video chats, and so on. So it okay. works pretty well. Um, we might, you know, if I'm helping them with their essays, um, we might share have a shared document where I can see what they're working on. Of course, I'm not in any way telling them what to write. Um, I'm not, you know, this is their process. They're going off to college. They, they need to be responsible for the process, figuring out where they're going to be happy and, and um, writing their own work. But, but I will help um, give them some guidance to let them know, you know, what's going to, um, it's going to help bring out their voice and <clears throat> show, mm -hmm. their, uh, show their strengths. Great. To organize okay. all, all the information because there's a lot of information in the college process too. Mm -hmm. For a student to, mm -hmm. to show to a college all the activities they've been doing, um, what they're, uh, why they're a good match for the college, and so on. So it's, it's right. a fun process. Right. I think you know lots of families are stressing about it. As a as a psychologist, I feel like I can inject some sanity and, and calmness to the uh -huh. whole process. Uh, I, it really, I think it can be a very exciting, fun process to explore colleges, travel, learn about them, um, meet new people, meet new students that you might be getting to know. Um, and there's no reason for, for families to get overly stressed, but I, I understand that that's very common these days. But if mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. if you pick a balance if you create a balance balanced college list where you have so called safeties targets and reach schools you'll you'll get into some schools and as long as you've picked schools that you're going to be happy at it'll all work out fine. Right, right. Okay, so now I really I'm really interested in hearing about the um, the study with uh, adults over fifty. Who are on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yes, so we, we've actually that? written this up. Yeah, we, we've actually written this up in a book called "Older Autistic Adults: The Lost Generation." It's coming out hopefully um, in the near future by a publisher called AAPC, um, with a foreword by Stephen Shore, Dr. Stephen Shore, a famous um, professor on the spectrum. And uh, what we did was we interviewed, we uh, surveyed 150 folks around the world over age 50 on the spectrum. And about half of them were in the U.S. and about half of them were in the U.K. And 
we see this generation of this cohort as being unique in the sense that we grew up at a time when there was very little known about autism. In fact, virtually everyone in the study wasn't diagnosed until after age 40. They kind of went through their whole childhood and adolescence and early adulthood flying under the radar, so to speak. Um, and and yet now we're at a time where there there is much more awareness and there are much more services. Um, virtually no one in the study had any special help, went to any special schools, got any special assistance in childhood, um, whereas that's very different nowadays. Um, students are assessed much more closely. Autism tends to be picked up much earlier in life. So um, kids growing up now tends to be picked up, diagnosed, and, and whatever services or resources they need, they tend to get much younger. So we're in kind of a, a unique generation that didn't get those services, um, but is now mm -hmm. aware of being on the spectrum. And, um, and, everyone, and people have different experiences. So as a group, um, most people found that being diagnosed, learning that you're on the spectrum, ended up being a very positive experience. Um, and helped people grow and develop, come to terms with who they really were, and um, find support, connect with their community. There, there's a subset of the group that seem to get kind of stuck, not really accept, not really find their, their people or their support group, really not feel accepted by those around them. And unfortunately, that, those, that subset of people um, is much, much more unhappy. And as a, as a group, mm -hmm. um, there's still high levels of, of anxiety and depression, and this is very concerning at every age. Um, a recent study of college students, um, spectrum students, disabled students, and mainstream neurotypical students found very high rates of, of um, suicidal thoughts among students on the spectrum. Um, so it's a real mm. concern at all, at all ages. but. In the older adults, uh, although things seem to improve after age 50, after being diagnosed, people were generally happier, felt better about themselves. Uh, there were still fairly high rates of anxiety and depression, so they still need a lot of uh, support and, in some cases, treatment. So, um, if you know, if there's if the, there's someone listening who wonders, they kind of have a sneaking suspicion that they might be on the spectrum what what might that look like what what should people be looking for yeah well it's it's this is a particularly tricky question diagnosing um later in life because if you've gotten to midlife without being diagnosed chances are you've had a lot of practice interacting with mainstream society with neurotypical adults and um doing what we call camouflaging, that is sort of learning to hide your autism, act neurotypical to pass, so to speak. Uh, so often uh, people will get to a point where people around them say, well, you don't seem autistic. I don't think you're on the spectrum because they, maybe because they show more emotion, maybe they have a social life, they're working, have relationships, might be married. Uh, so it doesn't fit the stereotype that people have of someone as being a loner and being being less functional. So it can be harder to pick up later in life. What happens typically, the way this comes about is people, it, it comes to people's awareness
this because they have a child that was diagnosed and as they're sitting with the professional who's saying, yes, well, rigid and inflexible and they're not good at picking up on social cues and they, as the professional goes through these things, one of the parents says, hmm, that sounds a bit like me or my spouse. I wonder mm. if you're on the spectrum too. Or people watch huh. a TV program uh, like Atypical or The Good Doctor or a documentary or film and and think, gee, this, this reminds me of myself, or, or perhaps read a book or article on the subject, <clears throat> either through the media or through a, a family member. This this is kind of how people tend to discover it. Um, if, if they're wondering and, and they want to know, well, you know, how can I find out for sure? You know, it's not like getting an x-ray where there's a definitive diagnosis. And unfortunately, a lot of clinicians are not very sophisticated about diagnosing older adults and particularly diagnosing women on the spectrum. Women have a, a real hard time getting an accurate diagnosis. And in our study, we found that women were less likely to get professionally diagnosed. And I think it's partly because they've had bad experiences, so they stopped going to doctors to get a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, there are self-tests one can take. Uh, no one piece of information is absolutely definitive. There's a 50-item questionnaire called the, the AQ, the Asperger's quotient um, that people sometimes take to uh, get a sense of, of where they fall out. And there is some research on that, some research validating it. There's actually a clinic in, uh, in England specifically for diag late diagnosis. Uh, it's the only one that I'm aware of specialized in this area. But there are, there are more, I think, um, I think we're getting more sophisticated as uh, as a profession, so I think uh, it'll get easier over time. Right. So if somebody does feel that they're that they are on the spectrum or if they are diagnosed as being on the spectrum, I mean, do they need to do anything about it? Do they need help? Not necessarily. And um, in fact, uh, it's it's unfortunate, but a lot of people have had neg negative experiences with with therapy um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think therapy in general is is oriented towards neurotypical people. And number two, uh, if the therapist is not very sophisticated about autism, they can be not only not very helpful, they can actually make someone feel worse. Uh, and and a recent study, a large study of couples, neurodiverse couples, where at least one partner is on the spectrum. This study hasn't hasn't been published yet, but but I'm familiar with the findings, and there was a tremendous concern of people having gone to therapists that were not savvy about neurodiverse mm -hmm. couples and having bad experiences and feeling that it actually made things worse. So mm -hmm. uh, it's from a therapist if if that person is knowledgeable about autism, but not not all therapists are. Uh, number two. A, a good source of help really is peers, getting uh, support through a peer group, support group. If you don't live in an area that has support groups, you can either start one or find one online. There's plenty of support groups you can find through social media. Um, but there are, there are quite a few in-person social groups and um, support groups, and that can be very helpful. I think educating yourself, reading about the topic can help you gain more understanding into 
what's going on. And if you've lived to adulthood and you're just discovering this in adulthood, it re can really throw you off for a while. So you, you may go through certain stages and the, the first stages may be very unsettling and sometimes very upsetting to think, oh, I thought I was this one person and now I find that I'm, I'm really different from the way I saw myself. So it can be a, right. a rocky road at the beginning, but once you kind of come to accept that it's not, it's not doesn't mean that you're less than or inferior, it's just different, just a naturally mm -hmm. occurring difference, like being left-handed or blue-eyed, that uh, you can start to value the things about you that are different and realize that, yes, there may be some things that are more difficult for you than they are for people who aren't on the spectrum, but there also may be things that you're actually better at. Uh, and in fact, right. this is a whole other topic, but a number of employers are selectively recruiting employees on the spectrum because of the strengths huh. that they bring to the workplace. So this is a growing area too the in the workforce that that neurodiversity is being embraced, not just accepted that it's okay to have autistic coworkers, but in some cases they may be better at certain jobs than people who aren't on the spectrum. Interesting. Interesting. I could see that. You know intense focus mm -hmm. and 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 really you know very high level of you know skills in a particular area mm -hmm. right there are some mm -hmm. some companies mm -hmm. as i said that are that are actively recruiting employees on the spectrum there's a consortium of employers that has some initiatives in this area it's still can be very challenging for example some of the things that you are important in getting a job are networking and interviewing and those are areas where people on the spectrum often tend to struggle they don't feel very mm -hmm. comfortable making small talk which is part of networking reaching out to others starting in that kind of un walking into a, a networking event which is very unstructured and trying to figure out how to navigate that or being in an interview situation where you're expected to make eye contact and read body language and so on. Those can be really challenging, but some employers are trying to work around that and some professionals are trying to coach people to get better at it. So hopefully we'll meet in the middle and, and outcomes will be better for yeah. Who, uh, yeah. folks who want to work. Very interesting. Historically, Unfortunately, historically, the statistics have been kind of discouraging for adults on the spectrum in terms of employment, in terms of relationship, um, health care, and a number of areas. But as I think we all get more knowledgeable about this as a society, like we hope that those numbers will improve. Right, right. So... So if listeners are interested in finding out about the services that you uh, provide and, mm -hmm. and receiving those services, what would be the best way for them to do, do that? And also to find out when your book comes out about older adults mm -hmm. on the spectrum. Uh-huh. Well, um, for my, in terms of my services, my Company's Top College Consultants, you can go to topcollegeconsultants.com or email me at eric, E-R-I-C, at topcollegeconsultants.com. And the book, as I said, is called Older Autistic Adults, The Lost Generation. It's going to be published by AAPC, 
should be coming out this year. Hopefully we will um, do some book tours and whatnot, and so we'll hear about it. And I post on social media, so I'll be getting the word out as well. Great. Okay. Is there where can people follow you on social media? At your LinkedIn or um, yep. do you have um, a page for okay. Yep, top there's a top college consultants LinkedIn page and, and a Facebook page. Okay. Okay. Um so I will put all of that on my website post about this show later this evening. So if people missed all of that, they didn't get their pen and paper out in time, they can check out my website and the post about this show and all of that will be there and they can just click on those links. So, so thank you so much for, for coming on the program that, you know, this is a topic that we haven't really gotten into very much. And I think it's really important, as you said, that, you know, we're, we're just getting educated about this and it's really important my pleasure. Thank you for so, having me on your show. All right. And best to you, and, and I'll be watching what you're doing on social media. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. You take care. Yeah. Have a good evening. You too. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a brief break, and we have lots more to come, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpel.com. And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And before I go on to talk about um, the pillars of living a passionate life and about compassion, just some news. Um, If you're not aware, I have been doing a Facebook Live video um, for the past couple of weeks on Thursday evenings at 8 p.m. And I've been going through the pillars as well uh, as discussing the bricks in the foundation of living a passionate life. So last week I touched on compassion, and I'll talk about that more this evening um, as one of the pillars the week before I talked about gratitude and how to increase our or cultivate our gratitude. And um, I also talked about my challenge to myself, my 40 day meditation challenge and my progress along those 40 days and what I saw changing as I, 
as I was doing it. So um, this Thursday at 8 p.m., I will be back with another Facebook Live, and I'm going to talk about um, dreaming, being being allowed, letting ourselves dream is really, really important as a pillar in living the passionate life. So I'm going to talk about that, and I'll also give you an update about my 40-day meditation challenge. And um, I invite anybody who wants to jump on board with the 40-day meditation challenge. You could start at day one. It doesn't really matter wherever you start. And I'm probably going to go, I'm going to keep going. I've just set a milestone of 40 days. Um, And if you need some help with meditating, I I have... um, recorded a guided mindfulness meditation on my and it's on my website if you go to my website drmaricarpel.com and go to the free gifts page um, just sign up to download the inner the inner peace joy and vitality meditation that's the one that will be the mindfulness meditation but there are many out there you can go to youtube and find it you can just go on you just google it and there are free guided meditations Um, you can download an app on your phone there are a lot of um, guided meditations out there for free and i specifically am using mindfulness meditation but some people like to use imagery guided imagery, which is really nice, and the mantra meditation, which is also really nice. So, you know, pick one that you feel comfortable with and join me on this and let me know how you're doing. Send me a message to drmara at drmaracarpel.com. And I also wanted to let you know that I have a few, I am going to be interviewed. I'm going to be on the other side of the mic for a change, um, and I'm going to be interviewed on May 29th by Sean Douglas, who has a uh, live stream and podcast program right here on Blog Talk Radio. And his program is Life Transformation Radio. And that will be May 29th at uh, 4.30 Central Time. But then it will be on podcast, and I'll be posting that as well. And then I'll be interviewed again on July 11th by Texas Authors. And they have a podcast. And I will let you know how you can listen, but I'll also be posting it after that. And I'm planning to do a few more. They just haven't been scheduled yet, but I'll keep you apprised. I'll be interviewed about my book, The Passionate Life, and about the transformational moments in my life. And um, so I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun to be on the other side of the mic. Um, Again, if you haven't, gotten a copy of my book, you can go to my web and drmaricarpel.com. You can buy it there at a lower price. Um, You can also get it at Amazon, and you can also get it on Kindle. Um, So get a copy of my book. And I'm still working on the course, and I will let you know when that course launches. Okay, so As I mentioned on Thursday, I spoke about the four pillars of living a passionate life, and I started that last week here on the program, and then I went into one of the pillars of compassion. So I'm going to go a little deeper on that topic, and let me just, if you haven't heard 
the show last week here. If you didn't watch my Facebook Live video, which is still available on my Facebook page, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Ears, so you can still watch it. It will be a little different than what I am talking about this evening, so you can listen to this and still watch that. But I did talk about the four pillars, and and I came up with these four pillars by going back and looking at um, all of the writing that I have done, my book and the blogs I've written, the topics I've discussed on this program, um, the guests I've had on the show, the topics that I've you know, looked for to have them on the program. And it struck me that if I were to this all down to the four essential ingredients to living a passionate life, it, it comes down to four, four, four things, four, I call them four pillars. Um, and that, and, and they're not all joyful, easy, pillars. There's pain involved. So, you know, deciding to live a passionate life is not for the faint of heart. There's some pain involved, but the payoff for the pain is really amazing and it's in and it it will increase the fullness and the magic in your life. So the first pillar which I'm going to talk about this evening, is embracing the pain of compassion. And I'll talk about that in a little while and why that is really, really important and why that opens you up to joy and magic. Um, The second pillar is making the sacrifice of generosity, which I've spoken about here on uh, quite a bit on the program and I will talk about on a future show again in this context. Making the sacrifice of generosity has an instant magical effect. And cultivating the relief of gratitude, which I spoke about last week, that when we practice gratitude, we come from a place of having enough and being enough rather than coming from a place of desperation and longing and feeling that we are lacking. And if the joy of a passionate life is in the journey and not just when you realize your dream, then you want to come from a place where you're enjoying it and not desperate. Um, you know, what if you only come from a place of, needing to achieve your dreams in order to be happy, then you're never going to be happy because once you achieve your dream, then there's always another dream after that. And nothing is temporary. Nothing is permanent in this world. Everything is temporary. So even when you achieve your dream, it isn't going to last forever. So we want to be able to enjoy that journey and be able to enjoy the journey after that dream. And what if, you know, we want to shoot for the stars, and sometimes we can't achieve every dream that we shoot for, but it's a lot of fun trying to um, if we come from a place of having enough. So um, that's just a brief um, point about gratitude because I talked about it last week, and it was also on my Facebook Live from from March 21st. 
And then the fourth one, which I'm going to discuss this Thursday, is allowing our dreams and letting our imagination run wild. We can't have a passionate life, one of following our dreams, if we don't let ourselves dream. That's the fun one. That's the most fun of the four pillars, but they're all really necessary. And then it's really important to keep the bricks, the foundation in place, and those bricks consist of self-care, both mind and body. So, for example, the meditation challenge that I have made for myself is part of that. Um, If we don't take care of ourselves, both physically with what we ingest and what we and the amount of movement that we have and how much sleep we get, as well as the thoughts that we think and not taking things personally, all of that dealing with stress and anxiety, all of that is really important because if we don't take care of ourselves, then it's very hard to hold up those pillars. They will the pillar that I'm going to talk about this evening is compassion, but it's really important when we have compassion for other people, that we also practice self-care, which includes compassion for ourselves, because um, if we're always giving and we don't take care of ourselves, then we run into the problem of becoming fatigued, what is called compassion fatigue, where we burn out and we can no longer feel compassion. We don't care anymore. And it can lead to depression, which is very hard to live a passionate life when you're depressed. So it's very important to take care of um, the bricks. And I will continue talking about those as well as we go along. But this issue of compassion and feeling the pain of compassion Um, compassion literally means, when we have compassion, it literally means to suffer together. So when we see somebody who's suffering and we have compassion for them, we pick up a little piece of their burden and we help them carry it. We feel their pain and we show our we feel it. We, we show compassion. That's what it means to show compassion. We act on it. We do things to help a person, even if it means just listening and letting the other person know that you're listening, that you really hear what they're saying and you understand and you can feel what they feel. And I, you know, frequently have guests on the program talking about various ways that we can help people who are suffering. Um, so last week and next week, we've had, we, last week we had a guest who is the director of Good, Good Neighbor Settlement House, for example, who is on the border showing compassion for asylum seekers who are now, they've been released by detention centers and told that they can stay to go through the next part of their Um, journey towards asylum, but they're dropped off at bus stations, for example, um, just with a ticket. And so Good Neighbor Settlement House will give them a place to stay if their bus ticket isn't good until the next day. They give them food to take on their trip and um, clothing and belts and shoelaces because they very often no longer have those. They've been taken away in detention. Um, And directions. 
translation of directions about how to get to where their family members are who are their sponsors. So that is compassion. All volunteers, and they are working 24 hours a day. They're there 5 o'clock in the morning at the bus station sometimes. Um, so, and the next, next week we have somebody who runs, coordinates the refugee program at Good Neighbor Settlement House, so she'll be talking about that as well. So that's an example of showing compassion. And there's pain involved in that, but the pain can lead us to feeling that joy of living a passionate life. And I really believe that we cannot feel passion without compassion, that it's really, really important to have compassion. Compassion for ourselves, compassion for our family and friends and people that we know. But even it's even harder, but even more uh, that stretching ourselves brings even more magic when we show compassion for people who are different than ourselves, who we don't know, who are, you know, maybe coming from a different place and we don't understand necessarily their, um, their situation, but we show compassion for them and stretching ourselves in our way um, can be painful, but that pain is what breaks open our heart so that we can feel all the human emotions that are, that are involved in living a fuller life, which is what it means to feel a passionate life. Um, for example, um, Ralph Waldo Emerson, the famous author Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, it is one of the most beautiful compensations of life that no man can can sincerely try to help another without helping himself. I'll read that again. It is one of the most beautiful compensations of life that no man can sincerely try to help another without helping himself. So when we help other people, we are helping ourselves. Um, The Dalai Lama is quoted as saying, love and compassion are necessities, not luxuries. Without them, humanity cannot survive. So by showing compassion, we are helping humanity. That's pretty deep, and that's really passionate. In reading this book that um, I came across, that's a classic by a very well-known Tibetan Buddhist, um, who li- who he's not living anymore, but he um, is one of the great teachers of Tibetan Buddhist Buddhism, and he he founded the Naropa Center, which is located in Boulder, Colorado, and he's written many texts about Tibetan Buddhism in uh, very specifically. But he wrote one that is really meant for everybody. That is not a religious text in any way. It's not specific to Tibetan Buddhism, it is about, it is for all of us, no matter what faith we may follow. And it's called Shambhala, the Sacred Path of the Warrior. And the author, the author's name is Shagyam Trungpa, which is a name that was given to him. Trungpa is a, um, is a name that's given to somebody who's considered to be a master. 
Um, and what he wrote, paraphrasing, what he wrote is when you open your heart to feel tenderness and even pain, feelings of sadness and even loneliness, perhaps romantic at the same time, that is the first tip of fearless, of real warriorship. And he defines warriorship as not being without fear, but going beyond fear and being peaceful. The warrior is not fighting. It's a peaceful warrior. And when we, are, when we go beyond our fear, that's when we live a passionate life. We can't live a passionate life. We can't follow our dreams without having some fear. We have to have something that we feel really anxious about in order to be able to follow a dream. Um, so I know that sounds kind of paradoxical, but it's really it's really true that it, um, we must have an obstacle to overcome something that we feel really scared about but also excited about in order to follow a dream and really feel passionate about it. And that is being a warrior. And we can't open our hearts to going beyond fear unless we open our hearts to pain. Um, And he writes, you might think that when you experience fearlessness, you will hear the opening to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony or see a great explosion in the sky. But it doesn't happen that way. Discovering fearlessness comes from working with the softness of the human heart. So allowing ourselves to feel the pain, not running from it, feeling our own pain, but also feeling the pain of others, not turning away. That's what opens us up, breaks open our hearts, breaks open those hard shells to the tenderness within, and that tenderness that may be sadness, it may be loneliness, that is what opens us up to being warriors, being fearless. Um, Brene Brown wrote, um, she wrote this after um, the most recent of the mass shootings. We need to stand with those in pain. We need to make sure that when we see a heartbreaking, we bear our own broken heart and stand together so we know that even in the midst of struggle, we're not alone. Even if our stories are different, broken, bruised, and skinned hearts recognize each other, and when they come together, they have the power to heal and create change. And then she wrote, My mom taught us to never look away from people's pain. The lesson was simple. Don't look away. Don't look down. Don't pretend not to see hurt. Look people in the eye, even when their pain is overwhelming. And when you're in pain, find the people who can look you in the eye. We need to know we're not alone, especially when we're hurting. This lesson is one of the greatest gifts of my life. So allowing ourselves to be with someone's pain is really important. It takes part of the burden from us, from them, 
and it helps us to feel the magic of that. Imagine being able to take someone a little bit of someone's burden from them. Imagine how magical that would feel if you've never experienced. I'm, I would imagine that everybody here has experienced that, so I'm going to ask you to remember what that feels like. That's an important pillar of living a passionate life. And again, taking care of ourselves along the way. So as I mentioned, I've been doing this 40-day challenge. I did miss a couple of days, but I learned some lessons from missing those days. And I learned that I really like the days better when I spend some time in meditation. And it could just be brief. You could spend five minutes focusing on your breath. Or nine minutes. I made it nine minutes, and now I'm up to 18 minutes, just focusing on my breath. And, of course, our mind is going to jump from topic to topic because that's what the human mind wants to do. So when that happens, we just notice our thoughts um, and say, okay, um, there I go again thinking about something. Whatever it is, you can label it thinking about work, thinking about what I'm going to eat thinking that I don't like that noise outside. Um, Or you can just say thinking, 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 and take yourself, your focus of attention back towards your breath, how it feels coming in, going back out. You can listen to some relaxing music and focus on the music or listen to nature sounds and focus on the nature sounds. And just keep bringing yourself back, bringing yourself back. So if you do nine minutes, and out of those nine minutes, you get one minute total where you were really focused on your breathing and you weren't thinking about other thoughts, that's successful. Because all of the other time, all of the other eight minutes where you kept bringing yourself back and you were able to stay focused for five seconds (laughs) or ten seconds, You were training your brain. And over time, it actually changes the structure of your brain. You actually grow more gray matter in the areas of concentration and emotional regulation so that you can calm yourself much more easily, much more quickly when you feel anxious or unsettled. Um, So that becomes a habit even when you're not in meditation because your brain starts to develop develops the ability to do that better. So again, I would love to hear what you, what your experiences are when you try it and um, and listen to watch my Facebook live video this PM and we're going to take a break here and when we come back we're going to be joined by Liliac, a heavy metal band of family members in L.A., and we're going to listen to some of their music. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
All right, and we were just listening to our next musical guest, which is the band Liliac, and they're joining us on the phone from Los Angeles, California. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Hi. So I understand that you all are siblings, brothers and sisters, and how many of you are there? Yes, we're all brothers and sisters, and there's five of us. I'm the oldest. My name's Samuel, and I'm the lead guitarist. Okay. I'm Abigail Christie. I'm the second oldest, and I am the drummer. I'm Melody. I'm the middle child, and I am the singer. I'm Ethan, and I am the second youngest, and I'm the guitarist and bassist. Um, I'm Justin. I'm the youngest, and I am 11, and I play the Okay, so welcome. Um, how long have you guys been playing together? We've been a band for about four years. All right, so you must you must have all been quite young when you began. Yeah. Yeah. And and what are you doing these days? Well, right now we just start working on music. We're trying to get our original second album out and uh, we're working on that. We're just practicing every day, learning new songs and just going and performing at Santa Monica Pier. Okay. How lo- how often do you perform at Santa Monica Pier? Like every weekend. Great. And um, and you, have, you already have one CD out? Yes, that is correct. Our Chain of Thorns album. Oh. Okay, and we just played Chain of Thorns, the the title. Oh yeah, um, awesome. Can, can you tell us about that? Chain of Thorns. Well, it's an original song, and um, when we wrote it, you know, Sam came up with a guitar riff, and then I came up with the drum groove. Melody came up, and my dad came up with the melody line. Then we all got together and worked on the lyrics, and that's how that song came about. And it's about unrequited love when you like somebody but they don't like you back and so that's kind of the story about it okay I think a lot of people can relate to that yeah I agree <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I understand that you that you all performed on the world's best yes that's true so um, we recorded the, the series in, in October and then they aired it in uh, February 3rd after the Super Bowl Okay, great. So, when do you think the next CD is coming out? Uh, we're not sure yet, but hopefully, like, like this year. The end of this year. Okay. So we're gonna play another one of your songs, "Dancing in the Dark." Is that from the first CD, or is that? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's for the for the first uh, original EP, and uh, you wanna. About. Dancing in the dark is like, um, you know, when you have those memories and you're just li- reliving those memories in your mind and, you know, losing somebody or just, you know, being by yourself and dancing in the dark, you know? Okay. All right. So we're going to play that right now and just hang on. We're going to talk some more um, when we come back. All right. All right. Thank you.
shows other than the Santa Monica Pier or are you plan to just focus mainly on recording these, you know, for the next few months? We have a couple of tour dates coming up in May. We have a gig at, in San Francisco at a festival called Carnival and then we have another gig in Arizona um, that's in June and then in July we have a rock festival we're playing at called Guitars Under Stars in Oregon. Oh, great. All right. Yeah. So I understand that you all are vegan. That I I love that because I'm vegan too. Oh, awesome! That's so cool. <laughs> when did you become vegan, or were you always that way? We uh, started vegan two years ago in October, and we saw this documentary on Netflix called um, what, the what the Health, and so that kind of just you know made us realize, and we just wanted to go for vegan. So do you, do you find that it helps your energy when you're performing? Yeah, I think so. We all think so, yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's great. So we want to get that word out to people because that's a great uh. lifestyle. <laughs> so um, it, do you guys have a website where you post your calendar of where you're performing and a place where people can buy your CDs or download your EPs? Yes, well, our website is uh, at www.liliacband.com. Okay, and can you spell out Liliac? L-I-L-I-A-C. 
All right. And where where did your family come from? Our family, um, well, both of my, our parents are from Romania. My dad um, lived in Transylvania, lived an hour away from Jekyllus Castle. And so, actually, Liliac in Romanian means bat, vampire bat. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's very cool. And I, I was watching one of your videos, and I saw that one of you, or more than one of you, is, a, is also an artist. And I saw I saw some paintings that kind of look like bats. Oh, I thank you. That is me, Melody Christie, the singer. Beautiful, beautiful work. Um, thank you very much. Yeah. So on our way out this evening, after I let everybody know what's coming up next week, we're going to play the last song that you sent, which is Mars. So before we go to that, um, my outro, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that song? So our, the song Mars is basically about um, wanting to go on a journey and start something new, and you're asking someone to go with you because you want to have a, an adventure. All right. Okay, so we're going to play that song on the way out. <laughs> so one of the one of our our uh, guests who's been on this program several times is a vegan chef who is now nationally known, internationally known, Chad Sarno. So wow. I'm going to introduce you guys online so you guys can maybe maybe you can work together somehow. He's trying to yeah, get the word you. out. Yep, yep. So thank you so much for, for joining us this evening, and um, best of luck with the, with the CD and with your tours, and I look, forward, yeah, I look forward to hearing more from you. Yeah, thank you so much. We really appreciate it, and thank you for having us on the show. Thank you. Do you want to say anything in Romanian before we go? Um, yeah, say Justin. What? what does that mean? Bye. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. You have a good evening. All right. You Bye. Too. Thank you. Bye. All right. So that was a great interview, a great band. And now we're going to play that last song on our way out, as I said. But before we go to that, let me let you all know what's coming up next week. Next Sunday, April 7th, we'll be back with another great show. And joining us from Illinois, Holly Barker, founder and president at at Grief Resource Network and Grief Anonymous, which is an international online grief support organization. Um, and also the owner of the Launching Pad Drive-In and the iconic Gemini Giant on Route 66. So that should be very interesting. When I spoke with her last, they were, they were just getting ready to open the Launching Pad with the iconic Gemini Giant right there on Route 66. So love to hear what's going on over there. And also joining us, Maria Nella Ramirez Watson, who is coordinator of the refugee program at Good Neighbors Settlement House in Brownsville, Texas, will jo join us to discuss their compassionate work with the asylum seekers at the border and how we all can help and more. We always have more. 
And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this show and, and about upcoming shows, listen to previous programs, all of that, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com, and also be sure to follow me on Facebook and watch my Facebook Live videos at Dr. Maricarpel, Your Golden Years. And you can listen to this evening's program in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to blog talk radio, B-L-O-G talkradio.com slash your golden years. This evening's program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist, Dr. Ronald Devere, and by Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guests and to all of the members of the group Liliac. And of course, thank you to Art. And thank you all for listening. Have an, an inspiring week and a peaceful night. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. With 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.